0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Guide Post. This may or may not be our last uh podcast for the year. I think it will be um but who knows? We've got we got a couple in the hopper that are in the editing cycle. Um but what we wanted to do uh for this one is to kind of go through what we did all year. And, uh, you know, this is really, a, I guess more than anything, this is a thank you to like all of y'all, our listeners, our supporters, everyone who's engaged and helps with letters and signs our stuff. And of course, like our, our industry partners, list grows by the day. Um, but we kind of just wanted to lay it all out. And say, hey, you know, y'all believe in us. Look at what we all did together in 2023 before we shut the door and go flying 200 miles an hour sideways, skidding through the asphalt in the 2024. So no no better person to have on here but our communications and brand director, Co- Captain Cody Rubner. Um, Cody, how you doing,
1: buddy? Tell you what, it's cold. Cold by Florida standards. So it's in the 60s. It's gloomy and it's gray outside. So I couldn't think of a better day to hop on the podcast and and look at what we've done this year. And you know, when when we kind of came up with this idea to do this, and I started clicking back through the blogs and all of our social posts and everything that we're involved with this year. And I went all the way back to January. I think I got a little bit of PTSD back to like college, you know, when there was the test at the end of the course that was all of the tests put together. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know, remember doing half of this stuff. Where I feel like we're always in this cycle of like, oh, okay, we got this done. Boom, great work. Now to the next thing and keep going and keep going. So uh, rewarding, exciting to hop on here and kind of look back with a little bit of positivity, a little bit of pride, and also a whole lot of gratitude, like you said, because none of this gets done. Some of the stuff you click on it and says, thank you to the behalf of the 2000 anglers and brands and this and that. And I mean, thousands and thousands of people supporting some of these campaigns and all the different faces that joined this community and contributed in different ways. is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, Cody, like to piggyback on that, I think one of our mutual concerns with everything that we do is just, you know, advocate fatigue. Um, and if y'all don't think that's front of mind for us, you know, there's some things that were kind of like, uh you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if we should, I don't know if we should fire up the war wagon, all eight cylinders, you know, maybe, maybe we do this a little, little quieter, you know? And, and so just, you know, we're not, we're not the sky is fallen kind of group. And, you know, there's, there's a never ending parade of, of stuff that we need all the all for, but I just want everyone to know, you know, as we go down this list, we are extremely respectful of your time and energy and uh, and try to only, you know, pull the pin on that grenade when it's when the fish really need us. So, um, so you know, we're going to go go through this month by month. And obviously, you know, we don't have three hours for this podcast, so it's going to Hit this stuff and kind of move on. We're probably getting a little bit of a discussion on some of the bigger stuff. But you know, January, uh January started off and it was a little it was a little foreboding because Delaware was all fired up about commercial quota transfers for striped bass when the stock was clearly not in a great place. And um it was one of those like overwhelming things. For our advocates, there there was basically six people in Delaware who supported this and the whole rest of the world was like, are you kidding me? Cody, you remember that? I mean, it was just one of those things where I'm like, man, you know, timing has a lot to do with stuff. Clearly, Delaware doesn't get that. (laughs) It's a a bad time to be asking
1: for this, you know? Yeah, and it is one of those things too where it's like, you can't i think i think one of our blogs was named like why are we doing this or how did we get here or why are we even having this discussion and it's you know, this is a year after year, continually building storyline for this fishery, and the, the advocacy and the community involved with the fisheries management discussion for striped bass is getting bigger and bigger and louder and more educated every year. And we're working towards rebuilding the stock. That's the end goal that everyone's supposed to be on. So when you get to one of these points where you're just kind of looking around the room, like, are we actually using our time and our resources to have this discussion? Seem to be the, the general sentiment from everyone involved.
0: Yeah. And let me, let me tell you, I don't think this is lost on you, Cody, but when you hear that they don't have the resources to manage Albies and there was like six plan development team meetings and all these, all this staff time to develop an addendum to transfer commercial quotas while Stripe Bass are collapsing because six crabbers, want to make a couple extra bucks before crabbing season that's one of those things where you're like i don't think you're ever gonna get it right i don't care if you're friends with them or you want to be cool you're never gonna get it if you're if you're actually wasting staff time and then you're gonna in the same breath turn around and be like no we can't manage a species that you know probably two dozen coastal communities depend upon and uh and, and has five hundred thousand targeted trips per year, but you know, let's let's throw a you know a, a wrench in the spokes of everything so six people can make a couple extra bucks while the this stock is collapsing. You know, yeah. kind of started started out, it felt like there were square tires on the wagon. You know what I mean? Like, clunk, click, clunk. like, what, is, like what is happening,
1: you know? Yeah, and also just to, you talked about it through the lens of advocacy fatigue, right? And people who are trying their best to stay involved with this, and it's easy to lose hope. And so someone that's just trying and trying and, and chipping away step by step at the marathon with their goal of, of bettering this fishery, and then they get into a conversation like this, that's one of those places where, you know, on an email list where it's like unsubscribes, you sent out an email that was kind of stupid and you dropped off a lot of people because you tried to sell something. That that's one of those unsubscribe moments and stripe bass advocacy where someone walks in the door and goes, Yeah, after this, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go. You know. Yeah. Work on my career. it's January. I'm gonna gear up for the spring run. I don't have time for this. So right after
0: that bad news, we got some shocking and pretty positive news. And this is one of those, like, things that just doesn't happen in fisheries management. Proactive regulations on tog, blackfish, tog, you know, whatever you call them, wherever you are, little toothy critters. So, you know, for for people who don't know this, you know, tog, like, live forever, forever. And then you're catching a tog in, like, the mid-teens to, like, you know, those giant ones you see in the 20-pound range. Those things are older than the pyramids. So, you know, Massachusetts has God love them, man. I mean, look. People're going to be critical of every state agency, you know, but I'm I'm here to tell you like Massachusetts is If you're a young person in school and listening to this and you're getting a degree in fisheries biology, make some friends with some people at Mass DMF cuz that's a heck of a place to have a career. Um, they really, they do some good stuff. They manage a ton of stuff. Um, and the fact that they did proactive, you know, slot limits to protect these giant Tautog, um, man, you know, we, we, we gave them a pat on the back for that one. Um, I think we wrote a, you know, we wrote a blog about it and, and gave them a lot of attaboys, but this is exactly what we want to see in the guides association is being like, Hey, you know what? Like if we have this really great tog fishery with all these giant fish and, um, and they're ancient and we should probably protect them. Uh, the big ones. And we're going to put the slot limit in. So this, this fishery stays awesome. And they did it. Boom, bang, bang, you know, and all the, all the guides out there who in Massachusetts, I know there was a bunch of them, um, and captain Taylor was one of them I don't want to leave anyone out there's a few more you know these boys before before these regulations were put in they were taking videos of throwing these giant tog back they got it they understood very respected captains up in Massachusetts and you know God bless them, man that got it done so
1: it's crazy that it it's crazy that it was such a big moment because it almost seems common sense right it's weird because you want to reward it because it was awesome and the type things that we want to see fisheries going towards so you have to give it its flowers and at the same time it's also like wait hold on they just made a decision like maybe we shouldn't kill all the big ones that make the new ones. Like maybe we just, you know, kill some of the medium size. Hey, did, did
0: you make a big deal out of it when you compete outside for the first time? <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it's at, right? Like, you know, like as a, as a dog owner and dog lover and you know, man, you got a big dog and it goes to the bathroom outside, give him a cookie you know, cause there's a lot worse than going to the, you know, so, sometimes the bar is pretty low, but not, not to take anything away from, you know, DMF. Cause uh, you know, they, man, they that dog fishery
1: is going to be around a long time for what they did. And that's a super underrated fishery. I, you know, growing up up there and I've only fished them a handful of times before I moved my way south. And it's one of the fish that I talk about, I want to go back up North to to fish for. They're pretty badass little dudes. They're fun. Well, it's a, it's in the ras family. I mean,
0: it's crazy. Like, it's a, it's a crazy fish when you, you know, when you kind of really learn about them and, and, again, like how old they are. And, you know, man, it's pretty susceptible to, to getting the brakes beat off it because they're, you know, they're so structure oriented. Yeah. The damn thing will go back to the same rock. You know, good thing most
1: people can't set a hook. So a (laughs) lot tog tog conservation is directly related to miss hook sets.
0: That's true. That's true. So we you know, January, we ended January on a high note too, because we got our first round of genetics research back for Albies. And, you know, while there's definitely more research that, that needs to be done, what we are learning is that this is Especially with the stuff that we learned later in the year, but this this is one stock, this is one connected stock, and the fish that they catch in Cape Cod and North Carolina are the same fish that you're catching in Florida. And uh, kudos to our friend, you know Steve and at, at Cornell and the rest of his team who stepped up and helped us out a ton with that. Um, you know you'll always you'll always be etched into the history of the effort for Alby management, um, you know, what a, you know, what a, what a awesome fish advocate he was. And, um, you know, wish, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, if you're listening to this, Steve, but thanks for all the work that you did for us for genetics on Albies because that was a huge
1: brick in the wall um, and, and hopefully yeah, and I guess- proactive management. And one thing I'll add real quick, Tony, I'll try to do this throughout the podcast. But if anyone wants to learn more about any of the given topics, we don't have hours to go through everything, um, you know, go by month. So you can head to com. click on blog. It's all, you know, in chronological order. And go by month, So January 5th is when we put up a little note from Steve and I think there's a graph or two in there, one of the blog pieces. So I'll try to litter those throughout the uh, podcast here so people can find out a little bit more if they want to.
0: So let's, you know, rolling into February. I think, you know, one of the highlights that, that you pointed out and I agree with you was, um, you know, conservation victories around the country and we didn't lift a finger I mean, we, I think we, you know, may have wrote a letter along the way, didn't publicize it. It wasn't our fight. And the last thing the guides association is going to do is take credit for something we didn't do. Um, But we just wanted to lend support. You know, we shared it around,
1: asked our advocates to sign on. We sent something in. But and you know, acknowledging that a lot of the guides that we work with on stuff up and down the East Coast are the same guys that are in these fights, oh, right? Yeah, you know,
0: it's a transient life, man. Like, shoot, I mean, how many I could just off the top of my head, you know, I could rattle off a whole bunch of our guides that, you know, spent a good part of their lives guiding up in Alaska when they were trying to build their business. So the pebble mine got squished, and that was huge. And then piggybacking on that oh my god i mean in the world of bad ideas cody you got to talk this is more your world but like when you were t- i remember back in february when you were telling me about this and like how it all played out i was like man again yes yeah. this, is, this is the del this is the equivalent of delaware being like let's kill let's kill that more stripers <laughs> like not a good idea and was faced with a furious opposition.
1: Yeah, at, at a surface level without getting completely into the just idiocy of what went behind it. But there was a proposed, I guess, made for television, multi-leg tarpon tournament, television series. It was going to be a live stream and yada, yada, yada. And it was a, it was an attempt to take tarpon fishing and turn it into, you know, sports center. Um, and the guy community spoke up with multiple concerns, whether it goes to fish handling and, and angling ethics and spot burning and and all all the different things that go into uh, made for television and you know tarpon shark interactions are a super hot button topic right now so how are those going to play out on television and i th- i think the lower keys all the guides association florida keys guides association um some of the west coast guides associations and uh fishing associations all got together and and kind of put the put the squash down on that one but you know it's it's less about oh there's a fishing television show what are the threats but more so about the the ownership, the I guess ownership, and it might have a negative connotation to it, but the uh, stewardship uh, that we're seeing from the fishing guide community and the commitment and recognizing that w- they want what's best for the resource and that this was more than just a, you know, rules for me, but rules for thee, but not for me. This was. We need to have a conversation about all those involved, all those whose livelihoods are based upon it. Um, what is the ethics and morals behind the decision, and, and what is the main driving force for pushing for this? And uh, without getting too much deeper into the drama, uh, that thing got shut down pretty quickly. And so, how you referenced it, you know, the, one of the reasons ASGA, I think we did a blog about a couple of those things that happened in February. Um, but one of the ways we can find value in it is, you know, it wasn't our fight, but finding inspiration. You talked about advocacy fatigue, which is what about, you know, conservation fight fatigue and man, you lose a lot more than you win, as you always say in this game. So to see some people really standing up and finding a platform and standing their ground in a respectful, thoughtful way and finding little wins for their, their resources through stewardship, I think that's important for us to acknowledge and look across and say, "Hey, you know, down there that isn't our fight for you know everglades restoration. That's not what our group's involved in. You know the science on permit isn't what our group's involved in. That's not the things that we're doing right now, but we should be able to acknowledge and appreciate as a as a shining example. Look at these are the type of things we can do. How can we find inspiration and look within the bounds of where we're currently working? so big win across the board. I still need to get out to Alaska." really really high on my bucket list and glad to see some of these wild places getting protected and glad to see our wild resources being you know prioritized
0: talking as a side note i was talking to my buddy tom this morning about you know work stuff and uh and he was i guess he's turning he's young and he's he's turning 40 in a couple of years and he was uh he was talking about like you know he may want to go to Kyle's place with a, for his 40th. He's like 38 now. He's got a little bit of time. And we got talk. We got to talking about Bucket List. And I was like, you know, man, I don't know what it is, but since I've been a kid, like, I saw a picture in a magazine of this crazy-ass fish in the Arctic Circle called uh, an Incanu, like a she-fish, two E's, Um it's like a it's like a tarpon and a herring had a love child, and it lives like, you know, lives in places that you got to take like four puddle jumpers to get to, and I want and they live in the same places as big dolly varden, so I want to catch a I want to catch a dolly varden in spawning color, and I want to catch a couple of incanu because those those things will I mean it's like catching a tarpon in the Arctic Circle anyway. We and those sentiments,
1: I want I want to jump off that because those sentiments I think are really important because you look at the value of a resource and that's somewhere you've never been, but something that you value and you have. A, there's a there's both a an emotional value to the experience that you one day hope to have. There's also an economic value, right? Because if you're gonna travel out there, you're gonna spend a couple thousand bucks to get to wherever the heck you're you know dreaming about going and put that money into that economy and so when you look at some of the other things that we're involved with and you start to see some stewardship and advocacy from other parts of the country that, Hey, we see the striped bass bite and I'm dying to get out to strike, you know, catch a striper this spring. Uh, if I've always wanted to go to Cape Cod and stay the stay for the spring and catch some stripers from the beach, you know, signing your letter from Missouri, from Montana. And oh, man. You'll, cool. you'll, hear, you'll hear some voices say like, Oh, what does that person even have a stake in this? Well, they're, They're a future customer and they have a a high priority on coming here to be a customer of the guides, of the hotels, of the restaurants. And so I think that's a really important.
0: I love those emails. We see them. Guy from Oklahoma, like, dude, I want to catch a striper. And you're like, hallelujah. Like we want you to catch one too. So speaking of that and you know, Cody, like that, that was the whole thing. Like when we started with the redfish stuff and we'll get to that, that's, next month um on our on our month list Uh, but the whole concept was to build a conservation army and i think i think you know while we were not involved in pebble mine we had a connection to it for no other reason that it's a fishery that needs help and that's that's the whole concept with all of this is like you educate people it's all the fish have the same problems they just look a little different and um you know i just you have that mentality and well you got to you got to walk the walk so when something like the pebble mine comes up you step up and you say oh it's exactly like everything that we do every day but we're going to help however we can and then there was the next thing you know that nuclear waste that that power plant that they're shutting down in cape cod and um and we we put that on our social just because, I mean, geez, I mean, that's the that's like the nexus of the universe for our for our guides and our community.
1: And um I think when Ryan came to us with that, I, I'm, I'm trying to find his uh the petition right now. So give me one second. Here. I didn't have it open, but. I think when it came to us, it had like a handful, I say a handful, a couple thousand signatures, right? It made it maybe had seven or 8,000 signatures and not saying that ASGA is the only reason for this, obviously, but we did podcasts about it and then some other outlets. And it was really cool to see when and I'm really appreciative that Ryan put it on our radar and said, Hey, this is what's going on because that thing went to the moon. I think it had like hundreds of thousands of signatures by the time, uh, by the time those conversations really kicked off and they started having those meetings with the head of whole tech. And so that just another example, that was a really good stretch. I feel like for, for community activism that we weren't necessarily the leads on, but we saw, we appreciated, we acknowledged, we sent support wherever we could. That was a really cool stretch.
0: Yeah, it was. And that's, you know, it's the whole, again, you know it's it's the whole community thing right building a community building a community brick by brick and you know uh, that only works if people trust you and they have faith in you and um and let me tell you like that's all that when it, when push comes to shove that's all we got is credibility integrity honesty um and you know long as long as i'm my, my toes are,
1: aren't pointing up I found it. So Ryan Ryan closed the petition. He started it on January 25th. He hollered at us uh, at the start of February when the petition closed on Change.org. 215,000 supporters. So, Mister Ryan Collins, uh, congratulations and great work on the campaign there. That's awesome, and I think Ryan. I actually met Ryan years and years and years ago when he was just kicking off his My Fishing Cape Cod little community and he was he was giving a presentation about it in uh in Concord, Massachusetts. I was still in college at the time. Um so cool to see Ryan making a full career and building a community out of out of what he loves, but not only taking and benefiting from that resource by building his livelihood, but also utilizing the community that he has to, you know do good he's been involved uh, he did some posts about some of the striper management campaigns recently too so kudos ryan hat off to you you get your gold star for february of 2023 and beyond and
0: then unfortunately clunking into the end of february we got the preliminary numbers for harvest for 2022 which was basically like the meme where that blue dumpster's on fire and it's floating down a flooded street yeah so thanks tap hats off to jersey and new york for overfishing by like 147 100 200 percent while the rest of us just absolutely like took a karate chop to the throat um you know lowest effort in the chesapeake bay like ever recorded massachusetts took a 58% 58% reduction, fifty 56% reduction in catch and release. Every state just getting clipped. And New Jersey and New York are like, oh, hey, yo, there's those stripers out there. What, what was that? What was the one from a million years ago, Cody? Dater? Your daters wrong. All of that, that whole army was just like, oh, look at all the stripers, Your numbers are wrong. That's my best New Jersey accent. I know it's not very good. Um, <laughs> I do do some pretty good, some pretty
1: good impersonations, but I, I won't. I won't. I don't the know dater, what it is, man. Data is not showing anything good. This is definitely. Regardless, the data could be off by a lot, and the data would still be very, very bad. And to go off your uh, very nouveau meme energy, it's kind of like that little dog sitting with his cup of coffee, right? The whole room's on fire, and he's saying everything's fine.
0: That's oh, exactly yeah.
1: what that was trying. Hey, Leslie
0: Leslie Nielsen. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Move along. Everything's fine.
1: Um, you know this podcast gone off the rails when we're verbally transcribing memes to people. Anyone still (laughs) listen? (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's get back on the rails because one of the highlights of my year was in March and we got to go down to Louisiana and meet an entire new community who we had been talking with and, you know, talking about redfish conservation and, and teaching them about the stock assessment And honestly met, you know, some of the finest people you ever want to meet. Uh, You know, I mean, just salt of the earth, love to fish, love to take people fishing, wear their hearts on their sleeve, care about the fishery. You know, just, just a fabulous experience. The food, the culture, the camaraderie. And then we get there. And it's pretty much a tropical storm. It's raining sideways. I stepped out of the hotel at four o'clock in the morning. And it blew my sunglasses off of my shirt. Um, I'm sorry. My readers knocked the hat off my head. And I looked up at the streetlight and the palm trees were like 45 degrees. And I was like, where the hell's Jim Cantori? Like, how do you even fish in this? This this, this is dangerous. Like, and then we got to, then on top of all that, we got to fish for two days, got absolutely eaten alive by ICMs, the biggest no CMs. And like, you got to understand, man, I know what no are. Like, I'm from the South, man. They're like, they're like these little things that have razor teeth that bite you so hard, you wince. And, and they just annihilate you. And then and then when you're scratching and itching and running inside, you step in a fire ant nest. And then, you know, you're tripping some high grass and a chigger chews your ass up. Let me tell you something, man. We were swallowing them. I had one bite my eyelid. Uh, they got up into one of our guide's pants and were rav- ravaging his nether regions. <laughs> he was rolling around on the boat at one moment. But God dang if we didn't catch a couple of those sobs, those sheepies.
1: That's when you know Louisiana is such a badass fishery because of exactly what you described. And we left all bitten up and windburned and nasty and sweaty, and we were like, "That was awesome. Let's do it again."
0: Oh, oh my God! I mean, look, don't even kid yourself. We thank you know our, our Bailey uh, that day that like we started like the there's it was a two day tournament. The first day it was like, are you kidding? And like, there's just no getting out of the wind. You know, I mean, it was just, it was blowing 40. And the second day we didn't start until late because it was just flat out dangerous. And it lay, it did lay down a little bit in the afternoon. But that, that day, full blown like tropical winds, insanity. Uh, We saw. 25 sheepies and another 20 or 30 we aren't even looking for redfish another 20 or 30 redfish like the boys know where the fish are Uh, if it was like that in the in the bay here i'd be like man i ain't going like sit at home and eat some crawfish like i ain't going um so really i mean just had the time of our lives there um and really you know solidified everything with that community um Let's see what else happened in March. We had we commissioned a research paper on False Albacore and Benito to to drop that into into like our repertoire for Albie management, along with the telemetry studies, the DNA work, you know, just building the case on why they should be managed. And then that's also March was when we started working with Mass DMF on their post-release mortality study for stripers. And and started really kind of fine tuning our the Got One app, which y'all all should download. You probably listen to a podcast about that here shortly. Um It's either gonna be one right before this episode or right after. So yeah. if you want to learn more about Got One. So um So, yeah, I mean, March was all in all pretty, pretty darn good. You know, we expanded to the Gulf of Mexico. We created a nonprofit, private and state agency relationship to assist on, you know, some very, very important scientific work that's going on with striped bass. And we, you know, commissioned a paper um, to, you know, build, build on, uh why you know to help build on the cause of why albine uh, guardrail alby management is is necessary so pretty pretty good march i would say uh cody if we slide yeah. if we slide into
1: april now that's probably well I, everything started to warm up fish started and- to move a little bit right now we're actually getting into the swing of Swing of things, um, that Louisiana, everything you just hit, I'm not even going to waste any time echoing it all the above hundred percent agree. And one of the cool things we saw was, uh, a big brand can- or brand support from hatch reels who they just love the Louisiana guide community saw that we were connected with some of those guides and starting to work with them and all the different things we were going to try to do to build out that fishery. And the hatch crew just, You know, some people come and say, hey, let's have a nice, you know, let's have a Zoom call. Let's talk about a couple fun ideas. Let's do whatever. I mean, these guys were straight to the point. They were like, hey, we got a reel in the works. We want to make it all about Louisiana. We want to see all the funds from it go directly towards research and advocacy specifically for Louisiana. They cranked out a badass reel, they sold out in like three seconds. And then I think Greg Moon actually in his testimony said that they sold out in like two days, and then they were like available for eBay on eBay for double the price like the next week. So you go on eBay.
0: You go on eBay today. They're anywhere from you know two thousand to twenty five hundred. They sold fifteen hundred a piece, and in the first, you know, in talking with Adam uh, and Christina, the you know the owners, it's a family business. It's as family as family gets. Uh, it's brothers and sisters and wives and husbands all working together. And, you know, man, like I, I, I'm just, i just I would I would be a shitty person if I didn't say this. Like if you if you want if our listeners want to spend their conservation dollars at good places that support conservation, we got a list of people for you um because people really support us and as far as fly reels go hatch they they sell nippers they said their pliers are awesome I bought a pair of their pliers just I bought it retail just to want you know to support them and to show that like we everything that they make god dang dog collars now like you know I think a big part of advocacy is you know making those buying decisions you know Mm -hmm. jenkins tells us all the time like people just send him emails and say i could have bought this online from anyone and i bought it for you because uh how much work you put into conserving striped bass or albies or whatever well you know i don't i don't i don't know if hatch explains how much good they do um but if you need anything you need a pair of nippers you need tippet you need whatever Go to hatch outdoors and support them because let me tell you they they are they are coming in hot on conservation, and I think they set the bar you know for tons of smaller brands uh in our eyes um, and just thank, thank you Adam and Adam and the rest of the team at Hatch,
1: yeah, and also recognizing too, I think the first response for some people. If anyone who's got a sliver of doubt about anything related to conservation is, oh, you know, they're only talking about this because they got, you know, some financial support, da-da-da-da-da. And the one thing that we've been really committed to is, you know, this movement to protect our wild resources, to prioritize abundance, to prioritize best available science is open to anyone. And this, this is not a highest bidder. Type thing. So, well, I think uh, I don't want to jump. One thing we kind of have a impactful and important thing that we need to hit on on April, but like in May, we'll talk about Cheeky and the Schoolie tournament, and the changes they've made, and so this is not oh well, ASGA is just tagging this brand or sharing this post or collaborating with this person because it's the highest bidder. They're the ones that will. We have a bunch of different brands who all operate within the same silos, and they're competitors. But there are there's no discussion of, oh, we'll only support the addendum two campaign, you know. I'm gonna use two generic people, you know, shirt company A, right? Oh, you worked with shirt company B. So we're not gonna do, we have had almost none of of those discussions, and it's really encouraging and it shows where this whole industry is going that everyone is on the same page. It's not a well, we're buying to support this thing because we want this sponsor thing, we want to be on this video. You're seeing a lot of brands who should as far as business goes, they're competing with each other in product segments, but uh, a wholehearted commitment to science and conservation and fisheries management. So really, really cool. Like Tony said, shout out to hash and everything they did. We're going to touch on a handful more of these uh, throughout, but I did want to point that out. And And if anyone you know, is thinking the latter, go look at one of the letters, look at the redfish letter, look at our striped bass letter.
0: No, I mean, no, Cody, not you're, you're spot on because I kind of teed that up for May for the, the cheeky tournament. But I want to just before we get to May and cheeky supporting the hell out of us too. So before I get to May, when we got all the numbers, um, obviously for Stripe Bass, we were horrified and. Uh, And we started a letter campaign that you can go to our website and look at all the different brands and the multiple rod companies and reel companies and everything else um, that signed on that demanded that we start addendum two for Stripe Bass, which is what we're going through right now. Um, And I guarantee all our advocates and all those logos and brands and all that pressure definitely put the screws to the managers to say you know, we're in trouble and we're in trouble and people are watching. Yeah. Yeah. And y'all need, and, and I'll tell you what, Cody, i never seen, I mean, I may, I only go back to, you know, 2006 ish, 2005 with Stripe Bass Management. But, uh, I, I, I can't remember any other people demanding, you know, a management action like addendum two. And we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into the response to that, but clearly it worked. Cause that's what we're going through right now. <laughs> so That it was a conservation success. So, you know, we go into May and you know, the cheeky schoolie tournament is always a real big thing for us. Um, we're one of the nonprofits that they support. And that is that tournament is a is a pretty doggone big deal um It's definitely a you know big part of the culture up there. It's a waiting tournament um, They really focus heavily on taking care of the fish um you know I guess this is the third year that they've that we've been one of the one of the groups that they support, and it's not chump change. Um, that they give us and actually we were able we were able to take um, that money from Cheeky and with approval from Ted and Peter and the rest of the marketing team and employees from Cheeky we were able to flip that and apply it to the Albi project so it's kind of like a one two punch like even though it's the Striper schooly tournament you know Cheeky's donation 100% of that just went from one account to the other, and it paid for all the good Albi work. So, thanks to Ted and the rest of that team. Um, and that because those those dollars were very well spent and they helped with stuff that people care about.
1: So, and before anyone says, Well, you use Striper funds to support Albi, that doesn't make you, that, no, 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 I got chill because with Cheeky was already supporting the Albi project. And with how gracious they were with their continued commitment from the schooling project, obviously ASJ was not going to go looking for additional financial support when it came to the Albee project, they wanted to be involved with that as well. We're extremely grateful for how generous they've been and more important than the financial support from that while not downplaying that that's a fantastic, uh, part of the tournament. And also that, there are multiple groups involved. That's not even, you know, this isn't a ASGA, the, the king and all almighty. And that this tournament is driving SGA, also supporting stripers forever and keep fish wet. And that they're, you know, distributing their funds to a lot of different groups and looking at their, you know, how can we impact the industry in different ways. But I think the most important part to look at from that tournament is the development from where it came 10 years ago where it was a bunch of wade fishermen in a parking lot and they'd yell, go over the microphone. They all scramble out of the parking lot and go take off. And, you know, I think the cheeky team would agree, but they had like some criticisms and some, uh, constructive conversation throughout the years about the impact of the tournament, anglers, hundreds of anglers around fishing on one day and looking at handling with fishing. And, and it's I think it's very impressive how they've continually evolved with the tournament, whether that's rule changes, whether it's caps on how many teams, the conversations that they have around the tournament are not like, whoa, this person won, they're the best striper fisherman ever. They're trying to lace in educational conversations throughout the marketing and communications of the event and that's the thing that I appreciate the most want to tip my hat to Ted and Pete and Ellen and the whole crew and everyone uh, working behind the scenes on it because that's that's the most important part, right is tournaments have been a big part of fishing for a while. Some people love them. it's what they live for. Some people totally hate them and despise them and there's everywhere in between and all all of those opinions are okay but recognizing that tournaments are a part of the culture of fishing. There'll be new ones. There have been ones that have been going on for decades um, and some will fall off, but realizing that they're a part of it and they need to continue to evolve as the industry and the culture around fishing evolves, the school is a, a great example of that.
0: Oh, it's an, it's a, Oh my God. Is it a lot of work too? Yeah. Oh my yep. God. Like people don't understand how much work goes in to, to do in a tournament like that. And they do it. They do a fantastic job. You know, they, uh,
1: <clears throat> everything, everything that you said and more. And and uh, if you want to participate, keep an eye on it. Cause I'm pretty sure they cap teams on it. So I, I don't know if they have an email list or, or how it's rolling right now, but I think they have a date set for, uh, let me see. I think I can find it really quickly. I think it's May 18th of next year and I don't know where if registration is open yet or where registration is at but if you want to participate in that that's a fun one. Um really interesting challenge, right? Work a, as a team with someone else, all land based, can't swim past, you know, your your waiters. so you got to figure out where you're going to go, play all the tides and then also you're on the cape in May, which even if it rains is such a beautiful ba- place, white sand beaches, rocky jetties, bays, all the different ways these fish are committed to small baits in different bays. They're on crabs on flats and other places. So, hey,
0: and you know what, Cody? Big up, big up to our buddy Rex at Sims for winning that tournament. This That's year. right. Let me tell you That's something right. 400 people all running around fishing for stripers. Pretty hard, pretty hard to say under that format that you're lucky.
1: If you win, I think that. he had a couple overslot fish in his trunk. I don't know. We should check <laughs> the release.
0: Rex. I Rex, if you're listening, I don't believe that for a second. So, getting you know towards the end of May, we started to pick up some momentum. You know, we were interviewed for the Boston Globe, a couple of other articles on stripers. You know, kind of flexing outside the industry.
1: Which is important. Absolutely, yeah. This is more yeah. than just the fishing magazines talking about fishing. You're starting to see different aspects of the community and and more uh, general media pick up this conversation. Hey, this is a really iconic cultural thing that extends outside of fishing. Seems like there's a lot of drama and a lot of you know hubbub around it right now. What is this buzz? We're going to talk about it. That's really important. And if you look at like, the fight for clean water down in Florida, it started with fishing guides, but you want some power, man. You get some, you got realtors, and restaurant owners, and boat manufacturers, and all all the people who also benefit from the fish, from the water, from the resource. You start to get those people involved. And now you got some power when it comes to advocacy and, and management. So I think that was the main detail I wanted to hit on there is like, this was more than, and I'm not downplaying that fly fishing mags and all these different things. Uh, you know, outlets and media outlets and F3T and all these different in industry outlets. They're still important, but really cool to see general media picking up the story. Oh,
0: absolutely, man. Um, so as we clunked through May, the emergency action, third time in 70 something years. I take that as, I took it as a positive, at least for no other reason that it was a recognition that we are in trouble. I'm not an I told you so kind of, actually I totally am. Like actually I live for the brief moments where I could look at somebody and say, I told you so. You know, if y'all remember like back in amendment six days, we wanted one at 36 and we don't want a slot limit. And the reason why we wanted one at 36 was to give an opportunity for the 2015s to spawn a couple of times. And, you know, when we were going through that process, uh, 96, 97% of the comments were one at 36 because it worked before. And they basically didn't even discuss it and said, we want a slot 28 minimum. And we said, man, that's really dumb because this huge year class is going to come in and we're going to slaughter them. It's stupid. And that's what happened. That is exactly what happened. So the emergency action tightened up the slot It pulled the 2015s out of the harvest meat grinder uh, in the ocean. And... um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm I'm appreciative for the managers who pushed that. Unfortunately, yeah, it's probably not going to be enough. And that's where we're in this addendum process right now that kind of formalizing the emergency action and y'all are all familiar with it. So, you know, ugh. so uh, we go into June, <clears throat> you know, should come as a shock to no one the last state to adopt the emergency regulations for stripers was,
1: does anyone want to guess? Anyone want to guess? Massachusetts. I'm mm, kidding. No. no <laughs> hint. They got a lot of Wawa's. A lot of oh. Wawa gas stations. <laughs> ah. The opposite of old Jersey. New Jersey. We should probably put yeah. in a disclaimer that we have a bunch of anglers and guides and good people, shop owners and everyone from New Jersey who actively 100%. Stuff, so. 100% and
0: we love and we love all of them and if you if you can't take a joke this probably ain't the podcast for
1: you. So anyway. if you can't take a joke you're probably not 50 minutes into this podcast anyway ah, so ah, you can take my disclaimer out.
0: So um. Yeah, I mean, look, they deserve that a little bit because that that state commission of theirs basically spent two hours talking about how to cheat the government and how to go out of noncompliance and when the best time to go out of noncompliance is, so they could clobber them in the fall.
1: And it was scary. Mama. There oh. was some scary conversation. I oh. mean, there were like there were, there were some comments that went off the rails uh, that that kind of stuck me along the lines of like what if we all just went out of non-compliance and we all refused whether we got stopped or whatever. Basically (laughs) there was like a legitimately fostered discussion about fishing anarchy for maybe an hour and a half. It is really concerning. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed on
0: all, uh, on all points. So in July, uh, I would say probably the most shocking Titanic win that I've seen in I don't know how long. And that was at the Louisiana Commission. The it it seemed like it seemed like that the die was cast for redfish and they're looking at a thirty-five year rebuilding timeline our guys came in hit it as hard as they could hit it and that state commission god love them listened to them they made perfect sense they knew the science and they adopted a 55 percent reduction instead of a 35 percent reduction which would put redfish on a rebuilding track of about 13 years and i couldn't believe it when it happened i i I felt like I had been transported uh to Alice in Wonderland with the mad hatter. Um I I, I you know you're so used to everything kind of going sideways or the wrong way and just boom out of nowhere. I mean, they won. And it was a it was an enormous deal and couldn't be more proud of all the effort that they put into that, but that's that's always I think it was July seventh, and that's that's one of those days that'll always be in burned into my mind because it'll it should show everyone that you can win. Um,
1: yeah, don't they always say like uh, for people trying to lose weight and get back in the gym? Sometimes the toughest part is just showing up, right? So sometimes I tell people you literally can't get yourself to get a gym membership going for the first day or two. Just drive to the gym and park in the parking lot and then leave, but just to start that rhythm. And and you know to just crack crack open the bottle and get things going and start to build the rhythm of making progress and that first time is always the hardest time. It's always always requires the most force to build that momentum. It's a lot easier for us to engage and activate a striped bass community that's going on a, a decade of growing involvement and activism. For those guys down there, it's been one way for a long time. So getting that first. Rock off the cliff was really, really impressive, and i I only see we're going to hit a couple other things about how that played out later in the year. But I'm sure you agree with me. I only see bright things for that community in the future, especially because they're above it, right? They're not at a resource that's at rock bottom right now. They should be in front of this, and that's not to say that there should be any sort of downplay about the need for the changes that they're pushing for. But they're finally they can be the Massachusetts tog blog that we talked about hey we're not at rock bottom yet but we're gonna make changes so we never get to rock bottom so we're never at a point where a fishery is dead weak and has six years and five years of no spotting coming down the track never don't be us
0: that was man how many times did we say that to them cody like you know when you're talking to them and and just like man listen (laughs) you don't want to be us You don't, y'all, you know, y'all still have this incredible fishery and people come from all over the world to fish it. It's just this magical place. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And boy, did they listen. So another, another cool thing in July, we got our acoustic updates, another, another round of acoustic updates and for Albies and they're all connected. Just proved the genetic stuff, proved the spaghetti tagging stuff. Everything's lining up. Same fish you're catching in Martha's Vineyard, 40% of them pinged off North Carolina, and then a whole pile of them pinged all the way down to the Keys. Doesn't get any better than that. Because um, you know what? When you do science, you never really know how it's going to turn out. And this turned out pretty darn good so july july was a pretty encouraging month for conservation and we get into august i mean cody talk about talk about logan torino i guess that was that was just one of those like feel good are you kidding me what the heck is going on kind of
1: deals that was a cool moment you know we have started to lay the groundwork at this point uh In the timeline that we're going through here, we started to lay the groundwork about stock connectivity from these fish that are getting fished and have this cult following off of the New England coast down to North Carolina and then down to the treasure coast of Florida, where uh, I live and operate my business and we fish for them. And guides before me have fished for them for years and years and years. During the summer, blue water, the albies are like double the size, and we got to figure out what's going on there, but we get all the big albies. So aptly named Benita down here. And uh Dino Torino, who's out of Jupiter, uh contributing to the Albi project of traditional spaghetti tagging. And uh his grandson loved going out with his grandson to tag them. And his grandson made a little video for social media saying we're tagging Albies. And he puts a tag in, launches a little speedster back, thing kicks off like F you and you know, like a bullet out of a barrel of a gun takes off from the boat. And he put that on social <coughs> he put that on social media and uh it went viral and had millions and millions of views and so cool for obviously that has we know how the internet works and so there's probably like 20,000 of those million people were random people in like Malaysia and India and China and wherever else you know around the country you have no clue what's going on with the albi project but there were a bunch of people that uh were, you know, outside or one one degree connected to fishing in the outdoors, who saw that for the first time. There were some questions asking about what's going on with the project. So it was just a cool feel-good moment, to see a young man participating in science, participating in the outdoors. Uh, we've heard that Logan loves fishing. And so to see that video get, you know, Pretty great. The type numbers that you have, you know, there's some marketing director for company X, and I have some in mind that I'm not saying them, who's in a boardroom right now yelling at five people, going, Why aren't our videos getting millions of views? And then Logan's like, Tagging Albie's stick, throws it over with his iPhone 7, and he's got like 1.2 million in like three weeks. So, to all those marketing directors out there, take notes and figure out maybe you got to hire Logan, but. Shout out to Logan. Shout out to Dino. Shout out to all the Florida. We had a bunch of Florida guides who saw that project and reached out towards the end of the season. And we've kind of built that in where it's, I think, Florida's traditional tagging will take off in 24 when those fish come back during the summer. Because we got kits out to people, right at the fringe of of their presence down here before they send it back up north. But cool to see Florida getting involved in the Albi project. Cool to see so many eyes getting to see what the tagging process was like.
0: Yeah, and then, you know,
1: um getting back to. Now let's go from young, feel good, you know, kids doing something cool, participating. Let's get back to uh, science and management bullshit for 100, Tony. Um, board delays Addendum
0: 2 for public comment, delays the implementation deadline, and then gave uh, Mike Luisi uh, a clear shot to lie and say that. The commercial sector couldn't take reductions uh, I'm 2024, but hey, well, why should they take reductions in 2024 since they haven't taken a reduction since 2014, um, or I'm sorry, before 2014? So that was a little disappointing. Kind of, you know, you see the, uh, I don't know how you could be smug about playing the system when you're just destroying a fishery, but I don't have to, I don't have to live like that. I don't live like that. So I don't have to look myself in the mirror and, uh, and process that. But Mike does, um, you know, just so smug to gain the system, delay things and then have the audacity to say that this will be yet another year that the commercial sector and, Chesapeake Bay can have a 3 million pound quota and kill 80% of the fish after five years of completely failed spawns, because that makes sense. And then tell all the catch and release fishermen that they can't fish for months and months and months. And that makes sense. All the while, while the commercial fishermen are catching them with nets and hook and line. And I don't know, I think they they may have banned dynamite and cyanide uh, in the bay a few years ago. So yeah just various amalgamation of nets and hooks and things like that. But God forbid, if you catch and release a fish in the Chesapeake Bay. So, um, Cody, I have this down for August. Was it an August thing? I thought it was a September thing, Uh, like second week in September, the Oxbow Brewing Multi-Species Tournament. You're correct. It was a September thing, right? I wrote that down. Yes. So huge thanks to Tim at Oxbow Brewing and Yeti who uh, who's one of the big sponsors there um, for deciding to support us um, with that tournament, really cool tournament. If you're up in Maine or you ever wanted to go to Maine. um, Beautiful time of year to go. Couple of
1: different species, you know, all native. Couple. I know this, there's like, it's the the most species they got a card i mean i think the winner i don't have it in front of me i think it was like 14 or something it's really cool they got a they got a whole setup where you get a card all the different species and you got to put one on the board for each one and then you can only put so many that aren't on the board so you got like what what tournament rewards you for catching like a giant pike and a native brook trout and also like a creek chub and an Atlantic salmon and like a shark and whatever else is going on. Sorry, landlocked salmon, not Atlantic. Um, really, really cool tournament set up and just really, really great. You know, if, if anyone who's listening knows Tim from Oxbow, the vibes from the event are Tim in a nutshell. And that is the most positive way uh, to put it. It was really cool, laid back, uh, really positive vibes, a bunch of different people win. The prizes were just like insane. That he had, like, I don't know if he like robbed a hundred tackle stores on the way of developing that event or something, but he had all these amazing prizes and artists and cool people set up and food and lots of good. That dude knows how to make a beer, right? So, a uh, really cool event and one that we're really appreciative they choose to support us, and also one that we definitely highly recommend. I know people that drove from other states hours and hours to participate in it. It's one of those cool, different ones that challenges you to participate in a fishery in a very unique way it's not just about ooh, you know i put line out i catch big fish very diverse and different way to look at and appreciate fisheries
0: yeah tim's cool is the other side of the pillow that that money also went directly to the albie project um so you know if you we ever get these daggum things managed and Make sure to make sure to stop by Tim's places in Maine, um, the Oxbow Brewing places, and buy a beer and tip your cap to Tim because he's just one of the many people uh, who believes in our mission and shows up, does these crazy awesome things to support us, uh, and and we turn it around and try to do some. Crazy awesome things to support the resource. So it's just, it's just kind of perfect, perfect match. Um, so then in September, a really fun thing that was really awesome for me was deploying all the tags for year two for Albies, which when you start dealing with the weather on Cape Cod, guide schedules, getting sponsors and everything out on the boats. And making sure that the Albies are there, and then having to
1: deploy a hundred tags—it's pretty fun, let me tell you. Like you were the team soccer mom who had like a hundred different kids that had to go all the different practices, and you had I to make had sure a t- juice box or- explode on me at some yeah. point. Yeah, you're driving
0: around Timmy's gum in my are- hair. Like what yep. the fu- <laughs> what is happening? Like you know, I just remember like. Because you never really know where these little buggers are going to show up. And we got to tag them in a very specific area because, like, that's where the beeper, you know, the receiver array is. It's not like, yep. it's not like you're like, oh, okay, well, the wind's blowing north. So, you know, just fish on this Lee and you're fine. Like, uh uh-uh. uh, nope. Oh, the fish, are, the fish are two miles that way. Uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> fish got to be
1: here. You got to fish here. You got to catch them here. And that's credit to the guides too. I mean, think about if you're a fisherman or a guide and and you knew, okay, all the fish are over here around the corner of this island. And I told you, nope, you can't go past that island, right? We said, this is your area, make do with what you got. And they have the pressure of putting, you know, these tags that are expensive and we only have so many days to get them out. So shout out to all the guides who ran those trips because... As a young guide myself, I'm always working my tail off to make sure that people catch what they're after and have the experiences they're after. And I could not imagine if I could see fish just upon the, you know, upon the horizon and was told, nope, don't you dare go past that rock. So shout out to all those guys. Those are some bad dudes who know how to catch some fish.
0: Oh, yeah, man. And I mean, holy geez, like it's by the time it was over with, like middle of October, I was pretty done with it. I was like, I t- I think, you know, the guy <laughs> shout out to Ed Kim at New England Aquarium because he was like, All right, man, you know, it's like it's like the ninth, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, water's getting cold. It's like first, second week in October. It's just any any moment, God's gonna flip that switch and they are gonna be gone like the wind. And uh, and I think we had three tags left three or four. So I called Jamie, our board member, and was like, just, just go, man, just get, get them out. Don't care, you know, whatever. And, you know, just like the champ Jamie is, uh, he found the fish in the last little bit. They were able to pop the tags in them and, and we were able to button it up, put a bow on it wipe our hands clean walk away hallelujah um but it's man it is it is just not as easy as as you think it is until you sit down and you try to do it and you figure out what a what a mess you got yourself into um so while we were doing that we finished up and quantified our economic impact survey for redfish in louisiana which showed that you know our guides probably average between $450,000 and $500,000 in total expenditures per guide per fishing year. Um, and, you know, Louisiana, I love it. Just love the place more than words can describe. But, you know, they are they are kind of on bad times. You know, the oil industry was really a bellwether for Louisiana. That is not what it was for them. Um, you know, they've got a couple other things that are kind of going on with the economy there and, and, you know, redfish are just this massive engine, you know, the outdoors, duck hunting, fishing, this huge engine that's kind of keeping those Southern reaches of those parishes open for business, breathing life into them. And we were able to use that, that expenditure survey, to really put a fine point on it, that science really went a long way. And then, you know, we had a, to to round out September, we just had a huge push with stripers and mass DMF um, with the got one app. Um, And that, that brings us, we're almost done with this Cody. Let's power through October, November, and December. We're already on an hour with this thing. So October comes around, and we had our final push for redfish comments. Submitted our letter to the state, thousands of anglers, small
1: business. Yeah, so there. over 2,000 yeah. anglers, I think, brands, guides, business owners, um, and a pretty historic meeting to push that 55% reduction, which uh, was a significant, significant cut on that rebuilding timeline. Um, and historic like we talked about a total shift from traditional culture and the view of the fishery and that was sent to the oversight committee so at this point in the timeline this is going to the state legislature and we're going holy crap man these these guys really have some momentum and they're doing something down there uh i think that was on october 2nd or 3rd this at the start of the month yeah and on the other side of florida on the east coast um Getting away from the Gulf and looking over at the East Coast, Chesapeake Bay. Members come back. We don't have to go too deep into the negativity there, other than to say things are not looking good. Historic that we've gone this long without a good spawn. We get those results back on the twelfth, and then on the eighteenth, draft addendum two is finally approved for public comment. So we know that the battlefield for addendum two is set that that's going to play out over the holidays at the most convenient time possible for p- people to participate in something that's an extracurricular curricular that they get no reward from. So shout out to that timeline. Um, And you can kind of blame that on the delay in the middle of the year. And then October rounded out with the tightline slam, right? Taylor's event. That was um, at yeah, the end of it. Just absolutely
0: fantastic event. I had the pleasure of judging that. I caught some, you know, giant gator blues. Some real nice stripers. Really top-notch,
1: well-run event. Um, For all the listeners, that's how Tony hedges his bets. Now he doesn't participate in the tournament. He becomes the judge and he just annoys. Like, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I would have caught it, but that's a big one. Correct. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so much fun
0: looking at a foggy picture of a striper's tail. And, and wondering if it's a 16th or an eighth of an inch, you know what I mean? Says so it's just t- t- totally awesome. And understanding <laughs> that like people actually care if they win and, you know, ultimately your decision is going to either make somebody happy or not happy. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's no, no pressure at all. Um, so then like, you know, that takes us right into November and we flew down in mass louisiana to testify at the state legislature and suffice it to say that decision was made before our planes wheels touched the ground um some other groups were not terribly interested in redfish conservation they don't think that the recreational community has much of an impact on fish stocks if you don't believe me go to their website read about speckled trout they say so themselves um It was a little disappointing, you know, but when you, when you listen to this podcast and you listen to everything, you know, that was accomplished this year, that was really the first loss on Redfish. And all it did, all it did was kick things back to that commission and reset it.
1: Yep.
0: It didn't lose, just took a little step
1: backwards. And Uh, as far as community goes, I mean, look at, those guys didn't leave there licking their wounds going, Oh, I'm never participating in this again. It's all rigged and stupid. And I'm not doing this. I'm getting back to fishing, making my money. (laughs) Those boys got in the hallway after that meeting said, okay, what's next? We're not, we're not losing this. We refuse to lose this. We're going to, we got to go to the governor. We're going to the governor. And they went to the governor right after that. They exhausted all their options before seeing it slide back. And, and I, the participation, I think we've linked it somewhere along the way. You can go back and watch and actually Louisiana has like one of the best recording softwares because the the video quality and for the public comment and that whole hearing is, is really good. I uh, can go watch it on you know <laughs> it's not very visually appearing, but you can watch it in 4k um, on their website, but to listen to all those comments and all the dudes that showed up and how impactful and thoughtful. There was no freestyle off the cuff. I, I want to save Redfish. I don't really know what I'm here to say. Those boys listened. They planned. They were thoughtful. And they showed up and, in a big way. And it was interesting because we saw some of the people who were of the more traditional mindset almost make that a challenge. When that was all going up. bar. Yeah, easy for you to talk about this from your couch. Well, bitch, we showed up. Not on the couch anymore. And we're here to change some things. And guess what? Things are changing. So should have uh, left this on the couch. Hey, let's, left this on the couch. let's always
0: forget that these are the descendants of the people who lined up at the Battle of New Orleans and massacred the world's best army uh, a few miles south of New Orleans, you know, crawled out of crawled out of the swamps and killed all the British dead. And the British never really messed with Louisiana or New Orleans again. These are their relatives. So, um, you know, these guys got a fight in them. There ain't no quit. We're still dealing with this today. Um, On top of that, we saw
1: people uh, from around the country, too. I mean, people that were watching it. Calling, going. This is my skill set. This is my background. This is what we do. We had, you know, Ben Meadows who did that uh, economic valuation of the charter fishing in Louisiana. There's a whole blog specifically about that. He made a little Meredith, video.
0: Meredith McCord drove three hours from across the state. gave gave He was the first testimony too. That's a tough spot. Good testimony. I mean, you want to talk yep. about somebody who's who's good at giving testimony? Shoot, thank you, she Meredith did great. for showing up. We appreciate that.
1: We we had people. This is. You know, this is my connection. This is my background. This is where I'm from. This is who I know. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And so I think when we saw all of that and we showed, you know, the guides on the front lines, this is what people from around the country, they're seeing you and they're here. I think they saw they saw their ownership and their role and oh, we're not quitting. So, you know, to jump into that slides forward to December, this all goes back through the whole process. We have other stuff uh, that documents all the details about it, but we have a new NOI developed and things largely didn't change. There's a slight reduction in the total reduction. So to clarify that, it goes from about 55% to 43%, 44%. I don't have in front of me around there. Um, still 3 fish limit, still protecting bulls, slot expands a tiny bit, no guide uh, captain limit, and a lot more hope. For this to go through i think we see a brighter light at the end of the tunnel for this one and if this goes through i mean bravo to these guys so they're going to need us in 24 this is on you know a timeline before it's going to go back through the same process i think it's what it's 30 days tony from when it was developed and so we'll have more to come on that in january but these boys quote unquote lost in november and they just kept on swinging after a tough first round. They kept on swinging, and now we're going to the judges' scorecards here, and things, things look like dude, they could be pretty good. So, shout out to all of those guys. That was a awesome way to end the Redfish campaign for Louisiana in twenty three. And, and lest, then, lest summer- we
0: forget that you know that addendum two is approved for public comment, and I'm going to just say my piece for two minutes on that. So you, you have a bunch of meetings that are in-person only. Some of them were hybrid. The bulk of them were in-person only. During a weekday at 6 o'clock in the afternoon in places that are impossible to get to in New York. God, they had one at like 6, 630 in like uh, Manahawkin, New Jersey. Like you might as well be on Pluto if you don't live in Manahawkin. Uh, it is not exactly an easy place to get to, Um, you know, it's all the way, you know, three quarters of the way
1: down the state on the garden state parkway.
0: And to put a
1: prediction on that, as these conversations go to, you know, the management body and we look at um, board action, and I think it's 3.1.3 that whatever that last option is, I guarantee you, you can look at the states and look at who held in-person, inconvenient meetings and refused to go digital or hybrid. And those same states are going to say, what, Tony? Well, we need to hear the public's voice before there's any action, yada, yada, yada. So hypocrisy coming down the pipeline.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair, you know, like I'll give an example, like Maine had a hybrid meeting. There were three people in the room. One of those individuals was from Canada, who I think was somebody's girlfriend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And there were 30 <laughs> people online to give testimony.
1: People don't realize how big Maine is. And also not the most convenient driving conditions in late December, no. right before the after work.
0: No. And I'm trying to think, I think, I think the first one to, you know, we beat, we always enjoy beating up on Jersey. But to be fair, the first meet in Jersey, I mentioned Manahawk in New Jersey. The first meet in Jersey had was a hybrid meeting, I believe, or virtual. Um, but I mean, like, you know, Virginia, I'll use Virginia as an example. Jesus, you have it in Virginia Beach? I mean, I know that's where VMRC is headquartered. But have you ever looked at a map of the state? Like, what if, so like if somebody who fishes the the Potomac, a little bit south of Potomac, Virginia side, and they live in northern Virginia, you think they're going to drive three hours at six o'clock in the evening for an in-person meeting? Like, ah, it doesn't sound too fair to me, you know? That's not, it's not uh, super inclusive and looking for feedback. So, I mean, I, the reason why I want to just kind of put a point on that is like, I think that in this day and age with technology, there is not one good reason. If the goal here is to get as much feedback as possible, I cannot think of one good reason to not have these meetings to be hybrid. Because there are just going to be people who do not have the time to sit in traffic for hours and, you know, frankly, be bullied um, by certain aspects of this fishery. I mean, I'll give you an example, man. The Rhode Island meeting literally was like, if anyone listened to that, that you want to talk about something going off the rails, there were people in the audience stopping somebody giving testimony and questioning their testimony. I mean, off the rails, like don't tell me there weren't a couple of people sitting in that room that wanted to give testimony. And were like, I ain't saying nothing. What if this guy, what if these guys start questioning me? Like, are you joking? Are you kidding me? Like, sorry, man, uh, somebody better come up with a real goddamn good excuse for these things not to be virtual because we're going to start calling people out because there's going to be a lot more stuff going on in 2024 with stripers.
1: And, uh, and it begs, it begs the question too, you know, is there a different weight or value is participating in this participating is a person, a person and a voice and a voice and a comment is a comment. Is there more weight to being in person? Is there more weight to, You know, uh, a digital participation versus a written comment. And when you start to look at it, if a voice is a voice, and the goal is to hear people's voices, then echoing everything you just said, right? But if in-person discussion is the main goal here, then you also have to communicate that, right? And there's going to be a very significant drastic change in, in how participation looks here. So right now, a voice is a voice. And if that's the case, the fact that we're not using digital is Ridiculous. And some of them were, I didn't listen to all of them. I tuned into as many as I could have. I know you listen to, I think you listen to all of them. And, uh, There were a couple of them that were just like a fever dream. It's just like what is going like, like the the person proctoring. It's like, hey, is this
0: a Tylenol buzz or am I actually am actually hearing this right? Like,
1: what's going on? Yeah, it's like the person proctoring. It's like, anyways, and they're like, no, you stay out of this. Hey, Timmy over there, I got a question. I got a question for you.
0: the Rhode Island, Peter Griffin. Hey, I got a question for you. Like Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what is wrong with you people? God, did your mom teach you any manners? Jeez. You know, apparently your mom never chased you around the house with a wooden spoon in one hand and a shoe in the other. Um, God, heaven. Well, I'll tell you what, that's what we did. We did a heck of a lot more than that, but, Cody and I are tired and it's almost five o'clock and
1: I got to go catch bait. It just stopped in the course of this podcast. It stopped raining. So I'm going to scramble, dunk my boat, go catch my bait for my trip tomorrow.
0: So Cody's got like 20 more minutes of light, right? Maybe yes, exactly. Say, go catch your bait. Listen, thank all y'all immensely. Happy new
1: year. Thank you for believing in us. Let's do this. We've talked about doing this and I want to, we're going to do this a handful of times. It's still a a nice little juicy preview for people who, anyone who listened an hour and 23 minutes all the way through, go on Instagram or Facebook, find ASGA, American Saltwater Guide Association. On Instagram, we're just Saltwater Guide Association. Message us and say, I listened to the end Let us know. Give us a keyword. Tony smells. Tony needs deodorant. Give us a, you know, let us know that you listened all the way to this point.
0: You know what would be great, Cody? Just have him say we should have virtual hearings.
1: Message us. We should, we should have, have virtual hearings. Hearing. That's I the believe. safe word for this. And if you made it this far, we got a couple pairs of uh, great sponsor Coastal. items. I think okay. We got pairs of Costa sunglasses. I think we have like a Patagonia fly rod case. We got a couple cool things set aside. And
0: we got a, like a backpack or two, a dry bag.
1: Like, just send us. We should have virtual hearings. We'll pick a couple people. It's obviously not going to go through before the new year, and uh, we'll send some goodies out to all y'all that that really participate in this.
0: So listen again. This podcast was really a celebration for all our advocates, and uh, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, it's a pretty awesome thing that we're all a part of. We promise we did everything we could in 2023, and we promise we're going to do everything we can in 2024. Tip of the hat, respect to all of you, and you know, here's here's to One year from now, me and Cody sitting on this thing and telling you about all the awesome victories and how all our kids and grandkids have a brighter future. But until then, Happy New Year. Please stay safe. Um, You know, and uh, and we're all we're always here and we're always fighting. So Happy New Year to all of you. Stay safe and we'll see you in 2024.
1: Code word. We should have virtual hearings. (laughs) Safe word.